Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud, and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Welcome back to another week of All Fired Up. I'm so completely pumped to bring you this week's awesome episode. But in the meantime, again, just a big thank you to everybody for continuing to send me messages of love and outrage. It's so good to know that this message is landing quite powerfully with so many people. And of course, if you are pissed off about something, I really want to hear about it. So send an email to me, louise at untrapped.com.au. Let me know what's getting up your nose and maybe we can do something about it here on the podcast. And if you're loving All Fired Up, please spread that love. Go and rate and review us really highly on iTunes or or Apple Music or whatever it's called right now. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the episodes as they're coming down. And if you're loving everything that we talk about here on Untrapped and you want to get hold of some free resources, go for our free ebook, which is called Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss is Bullshit, co-written by me and the awesome Fiona Willer, who was our guest on last week's show and a couple of others as well. In the ebook, we are basically busting all of the diet culture myths that are floating around about body size and health and the efficacy of weight loss dieting. It's a catchy title, but it's some serious stuff inside. We have lots of references. We basically are presenting the weight science underneath this approach in digestible sound bites. So go and find that at the untrapped.com.au website. It should just pop up as a free download. Or if you prefer to go via Instagram, you can go to my Instagram account, which is untrapped underscore au. Click on the bio link and you'll be able to find the free ebook link in there as well. And there's another beautiful little course in the Instagram links called Befriending Your Body, which is a mini e-course I've just released recently. Basically, it's meditation-based. It's all about using self-compassion meditation training to increase your relationship with your body, get your connection back with your body. Because of course, as we all know, in diet culture, we're constantly being disconnected from our physical homes and encouraged to constantly survey and police its appearance. We need to really break this cycle in order to become truly untrapped and live completely free of diet culture's influence. So that's what's in this mini e-course. All the meditations and the tips that are taken in this mini e-course are from the Untrapped Masterclass. So it's kind of like a mini version, I guess, of what we do in Untrapped. Perhaps we could call it Untrapped Light or Untrapped Intro, but it is, you know, it's accessible. It's only $47, I think. I might be getting that wrong, actually, but it's not a huge amount of money when you compare because doing the Untrapped Masterclass, of course, is more expensive, but this is this mini e-course is here to make it more accessible to more people. So if you think it sounds interesting, you can find it through the Instagram account, Untrapped underscore au click the link on the bio find befriending your body course and just get to know it and enjoy and of course if you're looking for something deeper there is always our beautiful untrapped masterclass which is there to help really dig deep into the wounds that diet culture inflicts upon all of us and heals your relationship with food with your body with movement 
and with your mind, finding peace and a different way of living. So untrapped.com.au if you're interested in finding out more about the course and joining our wonderful community. So I now turn towards this week's amazing podcast subject. So we are traveling a bit across the ditch from Australia off to New Zealand to talk to my special guest. Her name is Sarah Peck and she is an anti-diet dietitian from New Zealand. She works at Body Balance Nutrition, which you can find at bodybalancenutrition.co.nz. And she is a fierce anti-diet spokesperson over there. And I have this fantastic story from her that I want to share with you this week, where we're talking about New Zealand's very unusual obsession with fitness trackers and pedometers and how Sarah has fought back. So without further ado, I bring you me and the incredible Sarah. So, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, Lee, thanks for having me. So, what is getting you all fired up? As you know, so much of diet culture fires me up, but, <laughs> but nothing rips my night in more than diet culture landing on our kids. Yeah. So, more specifically, here in New Zealand, we've had an influx of fitness trackers being introduced to primary school age kids. So, I'm talking five to 12 year olds. Wow. You like fitness trackers, like pedometers. Yeah, pedometers, watches, apps. So in the space of about one to two weeks, I was made aware of, yeah, four different fitness trackers that were being used in kids or, you know, our kids were being exposed to. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so that got me pretty fired up. Yeah. yeah. This is a very young age group, five to 12, <laughs> yeah. to be throwing fitness trackers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like these, I mean, everyone loves technology these days and we, we like can't criticise it unless it's about screen time. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it does seem um, young. So what came, so four in two weeks. So yeah. in, what, in what order, what did you see? I became aware of the Fitbit uh, watch and app for younger kids, which that, that might have been around for a while, but I wasn't aware of it. The <laughs> McDonald's were giving out pedometers in their Happy Meals. <laughs> that and following in the food company trend milo has something called a milo champions app which is a watch which is a fitness tracker so oh. it, the child can see their steps they can see their calories burnt daily no yep the child can see that the parents then go further to input the daily food intake of the child so they can see the calories in versus calories out. Are you kidding me? No. Even further, the parents can then reward the children for meeting their targets and their goals. So basically, if they eat less, <gasps> they get to open up these new amazing parts of the app with different games and, and things like that. So, yeah, so that, <laughs> that oh, one. I've got no words, oh, except yeah. that lots of swear words are coming up. Yeah, yeah, there's been some pretty fierce swear words here too <sighs> so yeah I actually downloaded that so I actually came across that one because my daughter my seven-year-old daughter got player of the day at soccer and was handed her certificate and along with it was a pamphlet for this Milo Champions app so I did read it for a couple of days and I saw it there. I was like what's this and then yeah started reading it and I was horrified God, there was an article in one of our magazines here about it as well, criticizing it, which was good to see. Yeah, yeah, it's good to see some criticism, but my God, your daughter is mm. playing soccer and then she gets, so they're, they're like infiltrating kids' sports. 
to sell yeah. their product. Who are already active, you know. So, you know, they're playing sport. They're already active. But it's just, yeah, it blows my mind. Absolutely blows my mind. And so <laughs> the last one that I became aware of, which is called the New Zealand Healthiest Skills Challenge, mm-hmm. is a six-week challenge that is designed by two insurance companies. So it's, it's commercial. It's not run through the Ministry of Education nor the Ministry of Health. And so they're putting pedometers on 5 to 12-year-olds and then measuring their steps. And so they're competing with each other and then competing as classes. And the kids that get, the school that gets the most steps becomes, is crowned the New Zealand Healthier Schools and they win $50,000. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's in five to 12 year olds. So, yeah. um, so you hit all of this, like, kind of fell upon you in the space of two weeks, and you're like, what on earth is going on in New Zealand? Yeah, basically. So I, I kind of got to the point where I was like, I feel kind of have to just start standing at the airport when families enter into the New Zealand airport and welcoming them with pedometers. Like, hi, <laughs> hi. Welcome to New Zealand. Here's your pedometer for your child so they don't feel missed out. Like, mm, yeah, it's like Hawaii. You know, you get the, the flower lay and in New Zealand you get a pedometer. Yeah. You get a pedometer. And you get a pedometer. <laughs> you all get a pedometer. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So what happened next was that I um, became quite angry about this mm. and took to Facebook. And as we do, as we do, yeah. Sort of a bit of a rant, kind of just outlining my concerns. And, you know, almost like a bit of a warning to parents and teachers and going, okay, let's, this is happening in our schools. Let's, let's have a think about it. Yeah. So can you just outline for people who might be wondering why you have an issue with it? What, what is the concern here? Well, I suppose anyone that works in our field and eating disorders knows that it's a pretty slippery slope to anyone that might be predisposed to sort of thoughts and behaviours. Yeah. Um, you know, any motivation for children to move their bodies is all externally driven by these things. Mm. So what it does is it's silencing our their innate internal cues to move their body and how they want to move their body. So it's only measuring... Well, it's reducing health to a number, so it's only actually measuring one aspect of health, and that's exercise, and it's actually only measuring one type of exercise. So it's not even, you know, the concept of New Zealand healthier schools is a really reductionist view and approach to it. Yeah, I mean, if they called it like the school that walked the furthest, yeah, it would, you know, it would be less of a healthist and, and yeah. judgmental yeah. competition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we know that we know that kids are concrete thinkers, so they, they internalise that messaging. Mm. You know, of like the more steps I do, the healthier I am. So it becomes quite exclusionary to kids that might not be as physically able or have chronic health conditions. And oh, you, know, oh, you know, the thing that like struck me about this is that in a healthiest school, I'll I will bet you fifty thousand dollars that the school not really, the school that wins will be a school in a higher socioeconomic area yep. where everybody has time and resources to put into this. Absolutely. And yeah, because disadvantaged communities are not gonna 
I'm not going to have the resources to do this. Who needs that $50,000 the most? Mm. Yeah, so it just, you know, I think as human beings, we're, we're chronically connected to technology and chronically disconnected to our bodies. Oh, what a beautiful quote, yeah. So we're trying to fix our health problems or even perceived health problems with another problem, you know, and (laughs) and so it's just not, and at the end of the day, it's an insurance company. Yeah, I know, yeah. We know how great insurance companies are because, you know, in gifting us with health concepts like the freaking BMI. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's almost like, oh, we care about the kids' health, but really this is a six-week program the kids are either gonna become bored by the end of the six weeks especially if they're not winning you mm. know they're gonna either come bored or it's going to be harmful to those kids that you know might have some obsessive compulsive behaviors and thoughts or any kid mm. that just takes things that have that black mm. white thinking that takes things to extreme or well, kids that are aged five to twelve are black and white thinkers that's yeah, just yeah. the definition of their brains absolutely absolutely and it goes even further to the like, you know, you're talking about that houseless nature of it and that we have so much of our self-worth in our house in this yeah. environment now. And so kids are going to reduce that down to their self-esteem and their self-worth to a number on a pedometer. And that might not happen in every kid, but that is going to happen in some kids. And yeah. there's going to be no benefit. <laughs> the other thing to this is that this is an app and a gaming app. <laughs> So at the end of the day, at the end of the six weeks, are kids going to be moving more or are they going to be on their, you know, more addicted to gaming or their screens? Yeah, probably more likely to be addicted to the screen. A beautiful point that you make about this is externalising kids' attention. It's taking them away from their bodies and how moving feels and into like this very much rules-based, numbers-focused association with exercise and health and you know as a eating disorders psychologist my days are spent trying to help people reconnect with their bodies because they're so out from experiences like this and it just there's going to be so many rules to undo and I feel like you know it needs to be that innate connection that a child has with their body it needs to be nurtured not stomped on and I think back in the day there were still lots of external forces that kind of knocked that out of us as, as human beings as we grow up. And, you know, like you had that, you know, a couple of times a year, maybe like the uncle at the dinner table is telling you that you be eating that or commenting on your body or something like that. Yeah. And we see it. There's, there's people that have more external influences that change that. But then we're adding technology that a child has access to 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So you and I are seeing these these adults in clinic and, and teens and that are chronically disconnected. But then what are we going to see in 10, 20 years' time? Yeah, look, I thought about that too. And it's actually quite frightening because, yeah, yeah I mean, we know the impact just of um, a non-technology-based diet culture. Yeah. But what happens when it's saturated and 24-7 and happening younger? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's quite scary. And I think I joked about it because what happened was that I got approached to go on to a morning show to discuss it. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. My first live TV, you know, I got a really good response and I went on there. I only had a short period of time and I was like, God, I could talk about this for ages, but I thought, no, I'm just going to 
who do I want to reach with this? Because the insurance company are not going to care because we'd already reached out to them and we hadn't heard anything back. Yeah. Our concerns of, you know, and we actually said, look, we want to work with you to, yeah. to, to make this safer. And they, you know, didn't respond. So we ended up, I ended up on, on TV about it. And I was like, I want to reach teachers and I want to reach schools. Yeah, good. Um, and, you know, those are the, that's where I'm going to make the biggest impact. And so, yeah, I, I went on there and I had, a, I had a good response from that. And I had quite a few schools and teachers getting in contact with me and that's parents excellent. afterwards. The guy on the TV show that was interviewing you, <laughs> so he, it was a very typical diet culture response. It's like, oh, look, what are you worried about? This is a great thing. You know, you know we're making our kids yeah. healthier. What could be wrong with that? And then I did have some pushback of the most highly privileged as Hannah Gadsby would say, king of the humans. (laughs) 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 Say to me. (laughs) But life's a competition, you know, like we should be fostering this. And, you know, like I'm a competitive person, so I think, you know, like actually we don't need to like wrap our kids up in column. Well, this is not what this is about. But if we're implementing things into our children we actually need to think about what it's like for them as a child through the eyes of a child or their brain development you know there's no point looking at it through an adult's eyes because our brains are developed yeah Um, yeah I thought that was a really good point that you made I encourage anyone listening to me and Sarah chat to go and check the show notes and read her interviews which um I'm sorry watch her interviews which I popped in there yeah and so so that was quite good and it was actually quite good because well, unfortunately and sadly, New Zealand had lost one of our newsreaders to, um, he took his own life oh. the day before. So the segment before me was a really well-known advocate for, for mental health in New Zealand before yeah. me. And he was amazing. And I had a really good conversation with him beforehand. We went on and he was like, you're talking my language. Like, you know, we swapped business cards and stuff. It was yeah. a really cool conversation. And he was, you know, backing me up as well. And he went on there and he was like, look, and, you know, they're saying, oh, what can we do? And, you know, the guy that asked me the question about the life as a competition, mm. he turned to him and said, you know, like, he was one of my mates. How do I do better? You know, like, how do I understand this better? And, you know, he, the mic, the guest was talking about his, you know, it all comes stems from an inner critic and, you know, we're telling ourselves we're not good enough and that's where it comes from. And we actually need to work in prevention more than being at the ambulance at the foot of the cliff kind of thing. And so, you know, that was a really good conversation and they were responding really well to. As soon as they came on to talk about children, it was like, what are you talking about? Kids just need to harden up. (laughs) (laughs) Far out. So then I like got thinking, I got really fired up afterwards. Not because I was like, I'm never going to change his mind. But I was like, you know, so today's children are tomorrow's adults. Yeah. We can't talk about adult mental health while still sending these same damaging messages to children. There's just no connection being made. No. Well, honestly, Jess, who I work with, Jess Campbell from Body Balance, we joked because I said, I feel like I need to send them a dot-to-dot book. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's go back to primary school because my kids are pretty good at that. That's where their, you know, brain development (laughs) is. Like, maybe that's where we need to go back to the dot-to-dot book and help to teach folks who can't seem to make the connection. Like, mm, yeah, you know, these, and you know, we're talking about in New Zealand, we have a mental health crisis in New Zealand. So, our youth suicide rates are the highest in the developed world. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. And adult suicide rates are rising like at crazy rates every single year. Yeah. But you know, like we're talking about this mental health crisis, but it didn't happen overnight. You know, it doesn't come from a vacuum. It can't, it's from messages like these, but yeah. you're, I think the dot to dot book is a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome. <laughs> so Jess actually made one. It was great. Oh. Not, a book, not a book, but just the dot to dot. And so they can't seem to get that these teens and adults, and I'm not saying that putting a predominant on a kid is going to, then that child is going to take their own life as an adult. But mm-hmm. these teens and adults that experience their mental health issues were once children. Yeah. So we're scrambling to fix adult mental health without looking at what's happening in our kids and the messaging that we're sending. Mm-hmm. And it's not about wrapping our kids up in cotton wool, as I said, or removing competition. But it's like, actually, what's going on? Like, no one's yeah. going, what's going on? And what are the messages we're sending our kids? And how can we do better? Mm, yeah, so you're talking about critical thinking and really digging underneath. And you're right, this pedometer challenge or, you know, this obsession that New Zealand has with pedometers is not primarily responsible for the mental health crisis, but it's part of the cultural milieu. I don't know how to say that word. <laughs> Just, it's part of that. It's part of the soup that is creating this. And I think the blind spot that we have with diet culture is that they sort of said it on the breakfast shows, you know, the concept of health. Yeah. Walking is healthy, so we cannot question it. Oh, uh, yeah, the doctor. The doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I had a bit of backlash from this. So the insurance company sent, like, the next king of the humans in. But the king of the humans because he's the ex-all-black doctor. Oh my God, the ex. Yeah. So, so, a white guy who's a doctor who worked for the All Blacks. Yeah. So, yeah, he is like probably in charge of New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love the All Blacks. Like, I'm, you know, I grew up in a rugby family, love rugby, but. That's still, okay. Still, still, I can see they're, they were very smart in doing that, you know, because it's like anything to do with the All Blacks. Like our country pretty much, we lost on the weekend and our country is going, what's going on? Like <laughs> one game out of the last 40 or something, you know? And yeah. It's had this, this interview. And so the show, you know, that one of the guys that interviewed me actually agreed with me before I went on and it's like, I actually really agree with you. Like this is just a commercially based program that they're just trying to make money. It's all sponsorship. Their names are on the pedometers. It's, it's all about just, raising the profile of their company. There's nothing to do with raising kids' health yeah. status. They don't care, yeah. No, they don't care. They don't. And so, yeah, this, this ex-All Blacks doctor came on. So he went on the same TV show that you'd been on? Yeah, the next day. So, uh, like, Lou, he was disappointed in me. He was disappointed. I got told <clears> off. <throat> I got told <throat> off. Well, Sarah, you did think about this a little bit too much and, yeah. and in a way that didn't agree with him, which is unacceptable. Yeah, absolutely unacceptable. How dare I um, overanalyze the situation and, <sighs> you know, implementing. And so he went on. I knew it was coming. Like, I, I just knew what he was going to say. And Did you know um, that he was going on to sort of rebut you? Yes, yeah. I had the morning. Honestly, if they asked me to go head-to-head with him on the show, I'd go for it. Like, <laughs> Oh, my God, I'd so bring popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> I'd go for it. Interesting yeah. that they didn't, though, right? Yeah, I know. Like, I think it's like his final say, you know, he's the all black doctor. 
fun thing. Yeah, let's bring in a man to do the final opinion. Yeah, even though he hasn't really thought about it. And saying that, they're just being fair in terms of giving two sides of an you know, mm. two opinion. There wasn't two sides because that, that second interview with him, he did not discuss or rebut any of your arguments. He just said you're thinking about it. Too. Walking is healthy. Go away. Yeah, and it doesn't matter how we get kids to move. Yes, right. It doesn't matter how we get them to move. <laughs> Sorry, just put a pole in it. I just put pole dancing in them into schools. Like you just, you can't just say like that. Like, and so I, I overanalyzed it, and he, he brought out the O word, and he had, you know, we're in an obesity epidemic. Mm-hmm. Childhood obesity. We need to move kids away from screens, which is highly ironic because I know, given that this is a screen. Yeah, it's a screen. And so, yeah, as long as we get kids moving, because if we don't, they're going to get diabetes. Yeah. So, so it's pretty good at those dot to dot, but just not the other part. Yeah. And then what got me, because when I, I rewatched it, because I was like raging, and then I rewatched it. And at the end of the concert, they talked about that, and it was a couple of minutes, and then it was like, oh, okay. So it was a locker room talk, pretty much. Mm. Mm. Okay, and, then, and then started talking about, I think, one of the, the league players or something, um, you know, in a concussion and moved on to, like, sports talk. And they were asking about concussion. And you might be thinking, what's this got to do with it? Yeah. His response, because a player had had so many concussions in so many months. And they were saying, oh, you know, do you think he'll come back, blah, 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 and what treatment does he need? And he's like, you know, we need evidence-based treatment. We need to get the right people on board. <laughs> Yes, and prevent future harm. Oh, fuck off. He said that about someone, an adult, playing rugby with concussion, but he couldn't use those same concepts <laughs> as a child. Like, I was just blown away. I was just like, and that's the thing that really gets me is that, and with the other guy when I was first interviewed, he was like, life's a competition. And it's like, you just talked about losing your best mate or one of your mates you know, to mental health, and here you are now saying that life's a competition. Mm. Like, life's not a competition. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> no, life is not a competition and health is not a competition. No. And moving your body is not a competition and perhaps making it all a competition is why we've got a little bit of a problem. Yeah. I think I got thrown in the day before that there was someone going on about cross-country and how we shouldn't have first, second, third. And so I kind of got like put in that category. And see, I don't agree with that because I think kids yeah. their confidence outside of the classroom just as much as they do inside of the classroom. But that cross country is once a year. Like mm. this, but these pedometers, it's like every minute of the day they're able to assess. Their yeah. Work. Yeah. So it's, it's making it, yeah, far. And like cross country, it's a structured competition, like you said. Like it's a place where competition is you know, and you're giving consent to go into a competition. Whereas like just being at school and being alive, it shouldn't be a competition. It's the constant barrage of competitive thinking, I think, that is really getting people off the rails. Yeah, and not a break from it. So, you know, like it's 24 hours a day. So they're at school, they're competing, they get home, they're competing. You know, they're able to get on the app and see where their friends are. and and So it's actually just, yeah, there's no break from it. The other thing is that really gets me is that, you know, I know you're the same in Australia, 
in New Zealand, like health and safety is such a big thing. Like mm-hmm. many schools, talking about cross country, many schools now you have to sign a waiver so your child can run cross country in bare feet in case they get a prickle, which I'll translate as a bindi. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that translation. Yeah, it helps when you're married to an Australian. <laughs> But yeah, we're happy to place these commercial programs into schools with no pilot studies, no evidence that it helps, mm. no risk assessment of potential harm. Oh, yeah, of course not, because it's about health and you're overanalyzing yeah. it. But we had some data here. So from an earlier podcast that I did about scales in schools, there was some research that they did on introduce. you know, part of the research that we we're talking about was putting activity trackers oh, kids in high school. and I mean, what wasn't emphasised in their publicity but actually shown in the data is that the kids who were in larger bodies were dropping out at a much higher rate than kids in thinner bodies. And so there's that sort of aspect of it as well. So we've talked about, you know, social disparities and socioeconomic sort of status, but also just the impact of stuff like this on kids in larger bodies is like you said, no risk assessment. Let's just pop it all in there and pretend that it's not going to have an impact. Yeah, it just reinforces that current and accepted and correct narrative, you know, that size, shape and weight of our body Mm. is a good and accurate representation of health and wellbeing. But it just reinforces that because we see it everywhere. And kids are not silly, you know. Like I actually spend time, I go into schools. We have a, a program that, is I go in and do some in-service with teachers around appropriate nutrition and health education. Excellent. Appropriate and the importance of language and promoting size diversity and that kind of thing and do some work around body image with the older kids. And they know, like, they know, like, this is the stuff that's coming up, like, I'm bigger, so I'm not healthy. Or that the messaging that they see and they hear is all around size. Yeah. That's just what... It's what they see and what they hear. And, you know, these poor kids are, are hearing that there's an epidemic mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. and a war against it. And we're so scared. We're so mm-hmm. scared to have size diversity. Yeah, well, like reflected by your All Blacks doctor is, yeah, the unquestioning rigidity around this, even though it's so obvious to people like you and me from our paradigm that this is just not working. Exactly. Like, he's an expert on All Blacks. Yeah, you know, like that's that's what he's an expert on. So mm. he's around all blacks who, by the way, we've had research coming out that and interviews from ex all blacks that they even all blacks are struggling with body image. So there's even at that high level so much pressure on them to, mm. to look a certain way or to be fitter or look fitter, should I say, because you know, they're fit to last a, a rugby game, but to look fitter. And then you know, so if it's happening in them, mm. how could it not be happening in our kids, especially our kids in larger bodies? Mm. Join the dots, right? It's yeah, just so oh, But can we just make a whole book? <laughs> yeah, I really, yeah. The diet culture drawing book. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of response happened, like, for you out of all of this? Yeah, so we got cricket from the insurance company, apart from that rebuttal on the TV show. I love, yeah, they, so they never responded to you, but they sent in their big gun yeah, to yeah. the TV. Yeah, so we reached out to the company itself. We reached out to their ambassadors of it, who are sporting heroes, and I did that, do that in quotes. 
And so we reached out to them. We wrote this open letter. So when I say we, that's Jess and I from Body Balance Nutrition. Yeah, we heard nothing from the company. And so we were actually offering, like I said before, to work with them. Like we believe in promoting activity, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But not this way, in a way that promotes not just physical health, but their mental and emotional well-being as well. Like, can we not find something? Like, yeah. can, we not, can we not be smart about this and find something that is inclusive to all kids, for one? Yeah, yeah. Not, poten- not harmful or potentially harmful. And, you know, three, that can be fun and inviting for kids to move their bodies in ways that feel good. And we know that kids that feel good about themselves, or just humans that feel good about themselves, are more likely to engage in health behaviours. I know. I mean, if I was in charge, I reckon it would be cool to run like a silliest dance competition where kids just oh. get up and move their bodies and like do little dances and they submit it and then they're, you know, the coolest school wins. And oh, Absolutely. And it's even my kids' class has well, one of my girls has a really awesome teacher that they get together and they get in teams and they have to design a game. So then you're, and then they have to implement it and they put it into, they trial it in classes in the school and then they go further and wider. And so you're getting kids that have different skills mm. and different things being involved in the whole process. So even stuff like that, you know, like. Mm. Beautiful. That is inclusive of everybody and supportive. And oh, one of the comments of, when it was like the locker room boys, boys locker room conversation, mm. one of the guys said to the doctor, "Isn't this just a chance for the better kids to help the less able kids?" And it's like, do you hear what you're saying? Like <laughs> the better kids, the better kids. <laughs> like case in point. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god, you just proved it. And yeah, so the outcome that. Well, it's, it's a little bit disappointing, actually, because we would have really liked to have some kind of outcome. We knew they weren't. They put away, it's about money. They put way too much money into it. Mm. And so I, I have had, you know, like I said, teachers in schools reaching out. My daughter's school, definitely no. And, yeah, just saying thanks for thinking about it. And quite honest and saying we were just looking at, we applied for this, but we were just looking at the prize of $50,000 and it was almost like a smoke screen of like, hey, you know, schools are, Schools that just need money desperately in New Zealand. Yeah, of course. Didn't even think past that. And to be going, you know what, actually, yeah, now you think, now you've pointed those out. No, it's not worth it for us. So that to me is a good outcome. And even if schools are still implementing it, and if it makes them more aware, because the other thing is, there's no training for the teachers around this. There's no screening of that might have eating disorders or obsessive compulsive disorders or anxiety, you know, no screening on that and no information around, hey, what happens if a child does start to get a little bit obsessed with this? What do we do? Yeah. Well, they'll probably win. So, (laughs) yes, you're trying to. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's we know from the eating disorder research that, and also we know like, just like emerging research that this five to 12 year old age category is very high risk for development of eating disorder and obsessive compulsive stuff and anxiety. And for vulnerable kids, it will take one thing Mm. that will send them down the rabbit hole. And, 
an increasing pathway into an eating disorder now is a health education lesson or a competition like this. So these things which can look fantastic if you don't think about it too much can actually be the beginning of a horrible eating disorder. And that is, you know, it's not going to happen to all kids, but if there is a risk of that and we know there is, we can't let anything like this into our schools without that risk assessment and some plans being absolutely thought about. And it's just staggering to think that this hasn't happened. Yeah. And we know even, you know, we were talking about the brain development of kids. So even though the the education that we're providing kids is ineffective at best, so and harmful at worst. Yeah. That's what I say to teachers. I say, you don't try and teach calculus to five-year-olds. Yeah. We don't get them to sign our mortgages. Yeah. No, exactly. And so with every other subject we teach at school, we think about the developing brain and the child and, and the age and mm. what they can process, except for health. Yeah. Yeah, no, health is just unquestioned. It's that black spot in logic. Yeah. And I don't blame teachers because this is just a curriculum that they're getting and there's so much pressure for them to fix the obesity epidemic falling mm. on teachers. You know, so they're, they're becoming having to become the food police and then having to educate mm. around that stuff. But that's why we want to work with teachers. And the work that I have done with the teachers is really encouraging because they actually want, like, they're amazing people. Yeah, I, I take my hat off to teachers. I adore them. And, you know, they actually really want the best for kids. So if they know that there's actual potential harm, you know, we've got to provide them with something else. But, you know, in New Zealand, we've got so much culture and we're a little bit better than Australia at at involving our culture and our education. Yeah. Um, And, you know, we have like Māori models of health, which encompass, you know, physical health, but mental and emotional well-being, spiritual well-being. So we've actually really got the bones of really good health education. And, you know, our school's got, the teacher does an amazing job with that. So I'm really lucky. But, you know, there's a, I know with other schools, if we go on to, we're digressing a little bit, but going on to my health education website where you can go in and get the curriculum and ideas for implementing into class, one of the tasks for five-year-olds is to compare their lunchbox. So everyone get their lunchbox out, compare it to the food pyramid. No. And so, then, yeah, and then it goes on. I give this example when I'm talking to teachers. Then goes on to say, there are some children, for whatever reason, may not have a lunchbox. So there we are. We're talking about food insecurity. Right? Yeah. Say it. Say food insecurity. Mm. In New Zealand. You should still talk to them about what is right and wrong to eat. Oh, my goodness. They should still talk to them if they had a lunchbox what they should have in it <laughs> it's a priority not to get that child a lunchbox like a lunch and that that's, yeah that's incredible yeah it, that blows my mind and that's just you know if you encompass that's that pressure that we've got that comes from so many places mm-hmm. we need to fix this health crisis yeah that we're actually yeah. mm-hmm. we're missing all the harm yeah like, we're missing all the harm and we're missing but we're not just it's we're ignoring the real crisis, which is, you know, all about in, inequality and poverty and, like, food insecurity, this this really needs to be looked at. Yeah, so that's, we're hoping to make a change and the teachers are, are pretty responsive. And so I have had, in regards to, to that kind of stuff, but then also from this 
almost call out, well, it was a call in first, but then a call out of this, what's happening in schools with film it is. But yeah, so the response from the teachers is encouraging to me. Mm. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, you know, the All Blacks doctor might be a bit shocked to learn that teachers have started to think about it because he doesn't want anyone to think about it. But it is lovely to know that when teachers do think about it, they're like, maybe maybe we need to, you know, slow down on all of this and, and think about how we can do it safely, if at all. Yeah, absolutely. So that, there, is, there has been some positive outcome, but, yeah, that's kind, yeah. Of, that's kind of where we're at with that. Yeah. Thank you so much because this has been a really interesting story because you, yeah. you did something, you stood up for it. It would have been nerve-wracking to go on live TV and go up against the king of yeah. New Zealand. <laughs> It was really nerve-wracking, but, you know, when you believe in something so much, you just mm-hmm. you just have to do it, yeah. Yeah, and you did an absolutely stellar job with that. And the conversation and- I had beforehand with that, Mike King, he said, you know what, I've been talking about mental health for years and people thought I was crazy, the stuff I'm saying, but they're finally starting to listen to me. And so that gave me that, that push to be like, nah, I'm standing up for it. They might not get it now, but hopefully if we keep talking, they'll get it one yeah. day. Good on you, Sarah. So you keep talking, you keep screaming, and when it comes, I'm my voice. <laughs> when it comes time for the New Zealand referendum about whether or not to put a pedometer on the flag <laughs> and, and the poster stamp, yeah, we're going for the full, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't do anything by halves here in New Zealand. That's right. It's a pedometer worshiping nation, and you can stand up against it. <laughs> Okay, and um, where can people, because, you know, there'll be lots of New Zealanders listening to this, how can people get in contact with you if they're concerned about this and want to do something? Yep, so you can find me on Facebook or Instagram as Sarah Beck underscore dietitian, or you can find us at bodybalancenutrition.co.nz and can contact us through that. Yeah, I'm welcome to chat to anybody around this. So. Excellent. Such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, Lou. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much to my incredible guest, Sarah Peck, anti-diet dietitian from Body Balance Nutrition all the way from New Zealand. Isn't it just awesome to hear stories like that where we hear courageous people pushing back against the dominant culture and to go up against, you know, as she said, king of the humans and take it on unashamedly is what All Fired Up is all about. So thank you and continue to do your awesome stuff, Sarah Peck. I'm I'm absolutely sure that she will and it's bloody plausible that she will become Prime Minister of New Zealand as well. If you want to find out more about Sarah, you can find her at bodybalancenutrition.co.nz or go on Instagram to sarahpeck underscore dietitian. So that is it for this week's episode of All Fired Up. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have and I cannot wait to come back in two weeks with another steaming pile of literal diet culture bullshit. So take care of yourselves in the meantime and remember to trust no one. Think critically push back against diet culture. Untrap from the crap. 